0: to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke.
1: And I'm Annie Warmke. You
0: certainly are. And today we're joined by Natalia Rudiak, who is the Special Projects Director for Reimagine Appalachia. And we're going to talk about community benefit agreements or not all projects are created equal. And uh, uh, welcome. Welcome, Natalia. I, we okay, speak to call in you Polish in now. Natalia. Polish. <laughs> so yeah. a, good, a good Italian name, right? Yeah.
2: Or Ukrainian. It's good, yeah, it's a pretty international name. So Except yeah. in the U.S. So I can travel and it's pronounceable by everybody except in English. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, welcome. Yeah. So why don't we um first off try and define what exactly is a, a community benefit agreement? That was a term that was new to me.
1: Well, let's back up for one second, because some okay. people may not know anything about reimagined Appalachia or Appalachia, wherever you're from. It depends on how you pronounce it. Uh yeah. just to say a little bit about that and your role there. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. So um thanks for having me back. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um so, Reimagine Appalachia is a four-state coalition, uh, and we work across uh, the Appalachian regions of Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and uh, part of Kentucky. And we, like I said, are a coalition. So we have over a hundred uh, organizations that are a part of us. And what sets us apart and makes us unique is that uh, we have a lot of groups under the umbrella that may not traditionally speak to one another. So labor unions, um, climate activists, environmental groups, racial justice organizations, um, manufacturing uh, businesses, um, lot, uh, even, even those groups have associations and networks. And so we also have over 100 local elected officials and faith-based leaders uh, who all came together out of a recognition that the current direction of the economy was not working for most Appalachians. And that we needed to build a sustainable economy um, that works for us, that works for workers and the environment and communities. And so um, we were really big advocates for the two infrastructure bills that recently passed. Um, In November of 2021, we saw the bipartisan infrastructure law. And in August of 2022, we saw the Inflation Reduction Act, all with billions. Um, dare I say, over a trillion dollars in infrastructure money, everything from traditional public works projects like roads and bridges to really innovative stuff, uh, including clean manufacturing, huge environmental justice, pollution reduction grants, you name it, um, it's, it's probably in there. So um, we are really excited to see tons of our priorities in there, um, including uh, cleaning up abandoned mine lands and again, a lot more on manufacturing and job creation. So now we're into the process of quote unquote, winning the win, right? So we want a lot of money, but guess what? That money is spread all across the United States of America. And so now our job, I would say our collective job, um, for those of us who are interested in these issues and, uh, live in this region um and even if you're not even if you live in another place but you're from here or you're actually concerned about appalachia as an influence uh, and a model for the entire rest of the country or world um please join us um and so we're trying to get money in our communities so we can make sure that um displaced fossil fuel workers and people and people excluded from the traditional economy Um, including women and um, BIPOC people, um, Black, Indigenous people of color. um, And, uh, you know, we all have a shot at uh, making it. And our region is particularly um, impacted because we have been relying on coal and we are relying in many ways on the fossil fuel economy. And that's just simply not sustainable. Um, And so, yeah, we're here to win the win.
0: Well, one of the aspects of community benefits agreements, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is now that this money has been awarded and and you're going to try and um, bring projects into your region, but then there's a role of negotiating with the funder to say, let's make sure these projects actually benefit the folks in our region just don't just throw money in here and maybe hire out of state folks to come in and and build something, and then they move off and get the money somewhere else. You want it to impact people in your region. You want to deal with those underserved populations. You want to see that that's done. So, well, so also, what are
1: they're required to pay living wage and right. use American made parts? I mean, who's monitoring that?
0: Well, and mm-hmm. that's where I assume you come in, where yeah, you talk about these talk community about agreements, right? Community, yeah.
2: Government. So it's a bit of a complicated process so let's try to break it down right so in right now there's like i said billions of dollars uh that are slowly grant opportunities that are being slowly released um, from the federal government and that's across different uh, departments and bureaus so the department of labor has different grants the environmental protection agency has different grants um, department of interior has different grants and so we're trying to connect um local elected officials local governments again labor unions we're trying to connect everyone in Appalachia to these grant opportunities to the to the ones that we really think are going to make a difference um and hope that a we have the capacity to apply for some of this funding and that when it comes through um that uh, we, again, as you said, make sure that this funding really helps communities. And what we're really looking for um, and what community benefit agreements are is that they're a negotiated agreement um, from a community, from the public uh, in exchange for support for a private investment. Um, And let me also add here something that's very interesting is that the Department of Labor or sorry Department of Energy US Department of Energy for all of their well for certain funding streams for certain grant funding streams they're actually requiring that a community benefit agreement plan is included as part of the application process so they're scoring grant applications at least 20 points for the quality of a community benefit plan So here's an example. Um, There was actually um, uh, an example of an electric vehicle uh, manufacturer um, that was produced. This is actually a multi-state agreement. um, And there were just a lot of of negotiation with this private entity. They were going to build um, factories uh, to produce these uh, vehicles. Um, and after a really long time in negotiation, um, they came up with a number of priorities. So for example, well, this is now a legal agreement that 45% of new hires for these factories must come from historically disadvantaged groups that have had limited access to this kind of manufacturing. So that includes veterans that includes women that includes black people in the region, um, and that So that's one type of thing that you can include in a a community benefits agreement. Another one is that they must include pre-apprenticeship pathways to become apprentices on the job for certain labor unions. So they can actually, it's not just a job that you have for a few months and barely make minimum wage, that you are actually on a path to build a permanent career within this sector. Um, So that was one other requirement. Um, and that was just one example, I believe this was a new flyer, new flyer was the, was the name of the private company. Um, but I can name dozens more examples across the country where local governments and, um, other entities, including faith led groups, um, uh, et cetera, that they have negotiated really fantastic agreements to say even the janitors that work here must make a family sustaining wage <laughs> right so great. we don't we realize that we don't we don't have to just take whatever breadcrumbs are given to us that we actually have the power as people to negotiate for projects that work for us we don't just have to be bystanders when you know mm-hmm. companies get subsidies like we shouldn't be subsidizing poverty. We shouldn't be subsidizing exclusion. We shouldn't be subsidizing hunger. We, we shouldn't be subsidizing out-of-state workers coming in and working at our plants and factories and roads and bridges and you know turbines and and solar factories or EV factories. Um, we need to make them work for us. So,
0: well, yeah. how how does that process work? Because, you know, you're you're saying that your organization represents about a hundred or more organizations and businesses, it would seem they all have competing, you know, goals and competing uh, um, constituencies that they're trying to promote or, and some of these may be across purposes. It seems a bit like herding cats to try and get everybody (laughs) there uh, to negotiate an agreement with the developer, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as part of this. So is there some process that you go through or is this a one, you know, one size does not fit all?
2: We're giving away magic wands to everybody who is fun. All right. Yeah. Um, no, but um, better than a magic wand is um, Reimagine Appalachia. We're actually hosting a summit uh, in May of 2023. Um, if you want to go to reimagineappalachia.org, uh, check out our events page, it may be on the front page at this point, but it's May 23rd and May 25th. Um, even if you're not from Appalachia, you're more than welcome to, to join us, but it's focused on Appalachia. We're hosting it with Fair Shake Legal Environmental Services. Um, uh, they are a, a legal practice that is helping create legal frameworks for these things. Um, so we hope to, it's all virtual um and again it's it's a tuesday and a thursday and so we're going to cover the basics one-on-one right what is a community benefits agreement how is it beneficial what are the best practices to do that um and we're going to get into it right like we're going to get into the fact that this is this is hard and it's not everybody singing around automatically and saying goodbye yeah right but it's Possible because it's already happened in many places. And again, we have to look at best practices. And I always say we need to create our own best practices, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we want to make Appalachia a model for the rest of the country and say we're just not going to sit back and take it anymore, like what's given to us. We're going to negotiate on our own because we have the resources. We have the resources in terms of our people and in terms of the land. Um, So we understand, and I'm just going to be blunt, right? Like, we understand that. many Black people have been excluded for generations from labor unions um, and that, um, you know, many women may not feel comfortable in the trades um, for many reasons, we can go into that later. Um, But um, we wanna change that, right? And it's not gonna change unless we have a conversation. Um, So we wanna make sure that we really focus on, as each, we could say village or cluster villages or county, or town or you know, city leader um, thinks about taking the lead on this? How do we make sure local groups who have not been traditionally included are at the table? Um, and how do we just sit down and roll up our sleeves and, and be real? Um, because we, I think we all have a mutual interest. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you are. I think we all have an interest in making sure that, our, that we're protecting the health, safety, and welfare of the of our neighbors and of the people we may represent whether that's being a coach of a little league or being on the you know parent teacher association we want everybody at the table um, and we think it's just really really exciting so the first day is going to be a little bit about 101 and then the second day is actually we're going to have breakout groups right we're going to have breakout groups with diverse groups of people and talk about what kind of elements can be included in the in a CBA, kind of like a menu of options, um, of just examples, right? To get people thinking and to get these diverse breakout groups start talking about start talking about these issues. So it's going to be a little bit of a blend of. Um, oh, on the first day, we're also going to talk about conflict resolution, very real conflict resolution, um, because here's the thing: like if we don't get our act together as communities, we're going to be railroaded. Um, Oh gosh, that was a terrible thing to say in wake of what's happening, but you know, it's
1: it's, true. It's true. true. So let me, let me ask the question because when you brought up about the conflict resolution, I was just trying to imagine how in where I live, Muskingum County, how it would even be possible Mm. to create I can't even imagine what the first step would be because let's say we said, let's go to the County commission. And then they'd be, well, we got a port authority. We don't have a port, but we got a port authority. You know, we have all these people that have historically, their families have controlled the money and how it was spent. And in our end of the County, they didn't spend it there. And so I'm just trying to imagine how would I begin how would I even begin to make this our, our, sort of happen? I know you gotta have well before a
0: break, a before, break. before <laughs> you begin before you <laughs> begin on this and answer that question, um you are listening <laughs> to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it.
1: Thank God thank
0: God. so I think Annie brings up an interesting point because I know you know in any kind of oppressed or repressed community um you know they're all like crabs in a bucket trying to keep the other one from from climbing out and and so you get these folks who were traditionally you know the the big fish in a small pond and they're going to tell us how this is done you know so so yeah now resolve that conflict for us right now
2: (laughs) all right yeah no um I understand. I should say that I am a former city council member in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm a two term, eight year city council member. So I am no stranger to this. Um, The uh, community that I represented, parts of the district that I represented were um, very marginalized from city conversations about, you know, where development happens and where it doesn't. It did not happen in my district. Uh, And um, my many of my communities were actively harmed, like actively harmed mm-hmm. um, by racism and discrimination. And so we have to acknowledge that. Um, and I get it. Um, I, get, I get the frustration, like, on an like, internal visceral level. Um, and again, there's no magic answer. But what I would suggest, and what we're really excited about is just to get as many people as to the summit as possible. I know that sounds like maybe kind of uh, like advertising, but I'm not, we're not selling anything except, you know, like making the your po- Possibilities. Well, possibilities. Yeah. You're yeah. possibilities.
1: You're selling possibilities, which we have had a very limited menu of in this yeah. part of the world.
2: Open people's eyes. Like we really just want to open people's eyes as to what's available, what other communities have been able to negotiate in terms of, you know, a David and Goliath type of situation. Um, so please go to reimagineappalachia.org um check out our events page let me see um it's, i believe it is under join us if you go to the join us tab under no, events we have
1: some, we have a bunch of links that will drop in yeah, so people can find all these different things that you're talking about
2: yeah we're trying and, to get the we're trying to get 3 to 400 people there you know like let's just come in come all let's be inspired by each other
0: mhm So you had mentioned some of the things that you would like to mandate some of the inclusiveness, um, Mm that's there. Um, is there anything specific that you want to, uh, that typically within these kind of agreements you prohibit, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's things you want happening, there are things you want to avoid, I guess. And then I'd, I'd also look at how would you enforce these these um, Mm. mandates and and you know what kind of accountability is there for the developer uh, Mm -hmm. when they're when they're doing this those are all parts of your agreement i'm sure but uh, different aspects of it
2: those those are excellent excellent questions and i'm going to be honest you know something that both our uh, environmental partners and our labor union partners um have ex you know expressed concern about that too, right? so one of them prohibiting, for example um, certain types of pollution, I know that's very vague, but it really depends on the circumstances um for example, even um limiting limiting traffic patterns, you know changing the way a project is is developed like literally on the ground, you know how is this going to look like? where is it going to be um Uh, So that that could be that could be part of it. Um, And certainly um, that's why we actually are partnering with fair shake environmental legal services, because we want to make sure that this happens within a legal framework um, and that we have some capacity on our end to help communities that may be struggling with enforcement. And so, um, that is a step-by-step process. Um, but again, we hope to have some legal resources for that. We will see.
0: Well, you're bringing labor unions, environmentalists, and lawyers all into the same room. So what could possibly go Go wrong? wrong. wrong?
1: Everything's (laughs) going to be fine. No, how exciting is that? That's right. Well, I don't like a fight. It's ugly, but, um, the, the thing I was thinking about is there are so many issues as, as a woman. And as a mother and a grandmother, thinking about, you know, if you're coming into my community and you want to set up a, a big factory, uh, I would be advocating for child care on site. I would be advocating for uh, school buses that drop kids off at where I work. Um, I'd be advocating for health care for the women that would be working in that place specific to women and not just any old thing that's thrown out there. Um, transportation, you know, a lot of women are held back, particularly in Appalachia, because they don't have reliable or can afford reliable transportation. And so where's, where's the transport going to come from? You know, I just think there are so many incredible issues and I knew immediately when I saw the reduction act and how it applied to, um, to renewable energy and when they were talking about paying a living wage and using american parts and i said who's doing this this is not the conventional group or person lobbying and so i think the work you're doing is really exciting but i just don't know how we make it happen like you say the win win because winning the win winning the win <laughs> or win win it, it the, the thing is i just have spent too many years of my life in social justice looking at what has to be torn apart and absolutely destroyed before we can put something in its place. I do believe we're in a place to do that right now because we have so many things that have fallen apart, but we got to hurry up and get those things in the hole that's created before the big boys come along and fill it up with the same old crap.
0: Well, I understand that uh, um reimagining Appalachia is um, also working in the program that's near and dear to your heart about bringing women into the workforce bringing women into the trades and this is part of perhaps the negotiated settlement but it's also outside of that that realm as well so so what are you guys working on there to um, that that focuses on women within Appalachia Appalachia yeah
2: that's a really good question um, so um, March is uh, women's history Month um, but of course we want to bring women out of history into into modern times. Yeah. Um, So that includes um, getting getting more women into the trade. So um, we, uh, we are really trying to promote um, apprenticeship opportunities for women. Um, uh, We have so many leaders in our coalition who are women, um, including you know, like, let's be honest, like when you think of farmers and you think of laborers and you think of bricklayers and you think of operating engineers, the people who uh, control cranes and you think of farmers, who comes to your mind? It's probably an image of a man. And we need to change that. We truly need to change that. Um, and, you know, if I would say if, if there are any, I don't know how many teenage girls may be listening to this or parents of young girls. um, You know, we're trying to really spread the word about careers in the trades, um, that this is work that women can absolutely do. They need to hear that they can do. They need to see other tradeswomen doing this and other farmers doing this, um, other women in agriculture uh, doing this. Um and so we're really trying to promote that through our coalition um that that women can support their families and and build the life that they seek um if 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 they call their like seriously like call their local labor hall and say hey what are your programs what are your apprenticeship programs mm-hmm. how do i get in there um and you know uh there are other organizations that do this let's see if i can one of well, our- let me tell you why you're looking. Yeah.
1: I want to give a shout out to a group that I work closely with and uh, called Women Food and Agriculture Network. And they're actually mm-hmm. out of Iowa, but we've been bringing them to Ohio, to Appalachia uh, for the last couple of years. And um, they have a mentoring program called Harvesting uh, Our Pro- uh, Hope. It's called HOP, H-O-P. And anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a mentor- mentoring program, and they pay people, women, to be mentors, women who are managing or own a farm, and then they pay the mentee. They call it uh, over a period. If it's like, could be six to eight weeks, and so everybody gets paid. Not every hour you're working, but it's a token that says what you're providing is valuable. And the statistics show what happens when someone has a mentor or has the opportunity to be an apprentice. It's a game changer for that person and particularly for women because we don't have that in our everyday life. We don't even watch films that show us how those things happen where they're not available. So I think it's really valuable if you're interested in being mentored or you want to offer an apprenticeship. I I think we're obligated to step up to the plate and make a place where we can do that if we're business owners and say, all right, we're doing well. What else could we do a little more by mentoring or offering apprenticeship? It's It's a sermon I give quite often because I just see in our own business that the outcome is unbelievable. It's always winning
2: mm-hmm. yeah we need just more examples of, of successful people doing the thing mm-hmm. um and i'm just going to give a shout out um one of the groups that we work with is called trades futures um and so their website is trades trade tradesfutures.org, tradesfutures.org. Um, and they actually have a map on their website. If you go to about, go to the apprenticeship map, and they have maps of all the apprenticeship opportunities throughout the US. Wow, uh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so we really encourage folks to take a look at that. Um, because well, Natalia,
0: in, yeah. about, in the last minute that we have, um, why don't you just let us know what else is going on that you want to get in in the last 60 seconds?
2: Oh, 60 seconds. Um, I work also really closely with an amazing group of faith leaders, um, multi-faith leaders, and we're actually, you had asked about how do we get above the divisiveness, um, within some of these, within some of these groups or across some of these groups. And we really believe that faith leaders can be integral to that conversation, um, and rise above the dismissiveness and divisiveness and be kind of moral authorities in this space. So, um, please, uh, If you're a person of faith or a leader of faith or want to invite your pastor or or colleague, please join us at this summit. We welcome you.
1: I have one other thing I want to give you a compliment on in that on your website, you have a really great list that you've pulled of grants that are out there right now that the government is providing. And it's a great way to kind of hunker down and look at what's possible. And then hopefully people will find something there for their community or their business.
0: Okay, yes. well, Please. you have been listening. Oh, you're out of time. <laughs> You've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Um, we've mentioned a lot of links here in this program. Those will be on uh, the uh, show notes with our video that you can find at bluerockstation.com. Or YouTube. At YouTube, yeah, the YouTube channel. And anyway, so we want to thank our guest here today, Natalia Rudiak. Thank you very much, Natalia. And we want to thank... Our always community-minded Emmy Award-winning <laughs> producer Adam that Rich. Poor guy. I know, he's abused. <laughs> and we want to thank you for spending just a little yeah. bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is
1: I have no idea. No, I do. Oh, yeah. Eat your veggies, clean up your own mess, and be nice to
0: others. Alright. Till next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>